There's a change happening in the way we live, the way we work, the way we spend our money and make our decisions. We are evolving to be more conscious in our actions in a way that serves the world and makes it a better place. Welcome to the Ethical Evolution. The Ethical Evolution podcast is brought to you by Ethical Change Agency. I'm Bindi, I'm the founder, and my mission is to help ethical entrepreneurs and holistic healers to find their voice through spiritual coaching and podcasting. I'm honoured to bring you the stories of those who create change through healing, kindness, innovation, purpose, and spirit. Understanding that to create collective change, we need to be the change. It all begins with us. Joe Reichert is a 10x speaker, program manager, leadership consultant, coach, and also an upcoming author based in Denver, Colorado. He also has a podcast called More Wiser. Join Joe and I as we explore the myths of being a leader and what it takes to lead people effectively in today's workplace. Welcome, Joe, to The Ethical Evolution. Hey, Bindi. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited. Me too. Now, you're joining us all the way from Denver, Colorado. And uh, for those people who've been living under a rock and don't know who you are and what you do, can you go ahead and tell us? Yeah. So I I guess for our purposes, I'm a leadership coach. Mm. And, uh, And I would specify that and I'm really trying to get at people early in their journey. So many coaches, or whenever you see that on LinkedIn, you know, they want to coach executives or something prestigious about that. And I go, no, those people are too far gone. Mm. You know, the wagon's already left for them. They, you know, there's no bringing them back if they're bad. I want to get to people early, early on. And so that's kind of been my mission lately. And so, you know, before we got on, we were talking about my TED talk and I just wrote a book too. And I've just really gotten passionate you know, outside of my career as an engineer and in, in trying to teach people how to become the leader that I really respected and looked up to. Mm. Because whenever I was in a, like a training or, or something like that, I always left going, ah, I'm no closer to being that person. And so, you know, for the last maybe two years, I've really just been putting all my emphasis into just trying to teach the bare bones of this. And so, you know, any chance I get to talk to folks like you and just, you know, hopefully someone out there takes something away from this and is able to to bring that into their team. You know, that's really what I've I've been up to primarily. Mm. And what I love about you, Joe, is that you you keep it simple. You know, um, so simple. You keep it so simple, so easy to understand. But you also like to have a bit of fun, a bit of a laugh, um, which I'm all about. And you know, I a lot of I've watched your TED talk. And there was so much in that that resonated with me. Um, and I, uh, for most people who listen to the show, uh, I also have a full-time job here in state government. And so I've been through a lot of leadership training and coaching. Um, and one of the things uh, that I guess is one of your key messages in your TED Talk is it's about being a leader, not a manager. Absolutely. And, and I think... You know, the the biggest misconception was whoever started using leader and manager as synonyms. You know, I get emails at work that say, hello, leaders. And I look at the people on the two line and I go, half of these people, I mean, 
I wouldn't even trust to watch my dog, let alone lead our team to, you know what I mean? To do something important. And, and there's just, you know, there's scummy individuals on there. And I go, you're being called the same thing that I'm working so hard to do. It, it, in the, the usage of that word has just been flipped around. And so now you take a leadership course and you learn earned value metrics or you learn how to delegate. And I go, that has nothing to do with someone like deep down inside of them deciding, I want to follow that person. And we've really gotten away from that. And I think sadly, it's why so many people right now look to switch jobs so quickly. I, I think there's just, you know, a tsunami of terrible leaders out there. I, there's some great ones too, but I mean, when you come across a bad one, oof, it's, it's mm. really noticeable and, and yeah, it, it's, it's hard. It's hard, but yeah, the, the separation between leader and manager, I think is like, like in the, uh, like in the matrix when Morpheus hands Neo, like the two pills, it's kind of mm. like, that's the first step towards understanding leadership is to just detach those two words. Mm. Yeah, there is a significant difference between the two. And um, I guess I guess one of the things that I've learned through my leadership journey is that for me, it's not about the tasks, it's about the people. Um, my philosophy is always about the people because if you can get it right with the people, the rest is all just going to fall into place. And that's pretty much the message that comes through and what you're talking about as well. But one of the things that you bring up in your TED Talk is, you know, think about a great leader. Now, for some people, that's a really hard thing to do. Um, But I mean, for you, um, when you're asked that question, who's the leader that comes to mind for you? My high school football coach, always. Coach Coach Bob DeMeyer, he was phenomenal. And, you know, he's exactly what you'd want your coach to be, right? He And ultimately, you know, when I really sat down and thought about what separated him, it was that he cared. Mm. You, you knew that he cared. And, and that to me is the basic fundamental thing you have to be able to convey to someone for them to even consider you in the running to be a leader. And we could talk about how you earn it, but uh, I think of coach to I don't know who you would think of Bindi, but I mean, we all have someone that pops up, I hope. And, and I think what I talk about in that Ted talk is, you know, if you think about what their title was definitely wasn't a leader, right? It's, nobody has that title. And so that was kind of eye-opening to me when I, when I first, you know, had that aha moment, like, oh my goodness, nobody has that actual title. Mm. And I guess for me, what came to mind was more, uh, and uh, this is going to sound weird, is more political leaders, you know, like uh, prime ministers and and presidents, Uh, particularly for me, President Obama, and also Jacinta Ardern from New Zealand. Um, She was incredible. And one of the things that was at the heart of everything that she did was she cared. She cared about the people. They came first. Oh yeah. Yeah. She she was special. (laughs) That's for sure. And, and you're right. Those people have titles, you know, and, and I guess maybe just to back it up, you know, your title is really tied to your function on your team. So as a manager, your, your title is essentially tied to, I'm going to, you know, delegate work. I'm going to set the team's direction. I'm going to, you know, X, Y, and Z. I'm going to make sure people's time cards are approved. And there's a lot of stuff that goes on with it. But then, you know, the title you have is separate from the role you have. Mm. So there's a lot of roles you could have. Like jerk 
is a role you can earn by being, you know, an ass wipe. To, I don't know. Sorry, Bindi. But by being a jerk to people, you know, you can earn that role on your team. If, if you're a wise guy, right, you can become the class clown in school. Even though your title was still as a student, you know, if you're really funny, people go, oh, yeah, you know, Bindi's hilarious. Oh, she's the class clown for sure. I'm going to vote for her. Well, leader is a role. It's mm. it's something that by your actions and behaviors, people go, I'm going to bestow upon you this moniker that only I, as a follower, get to give out because I'm seeing how you're behaving and I go, okay, you're now a leader. Now you might not do any of those things that I consider to be a, a qualities of a good leader and you'll still be a manager and you'll still retain your title. And at work, I still have people that I work with who are I mean, very poor leaders and and just not real great to employees. And at the end of the day, they're still a manager mm. and it doesn't change, but nobody <laughs> considers them a leader. And that's really the difference between roles and functions. Mm. And another thing that I loved what uh, you said was, you know, you have to earn being a leader. Like uh, people follow leaders, which was the other part that I absolutely love about what you say. And this is something that someone just said to me last week about, a trait in me is that people follow me. And, um, yeah, I think one of the things that people, when they leave a job, they don't leave the company or the job, they leave a bad leader or bad manager because that's the thing that tips you over the edge. Yeah, I think, you know, money and benefits, you know, there's there's a percentage, but I think, like you said, a lot of people leave because of, of poor leadership and and you really do have to, earn that with people. And I want to come back to that because, you know, <laughs> we were talking, I have such a simple brain, Bindi. I mean, you'd be terrified if you came <laughs> in here. And and, it's, and for folks who haven't seen it, I, I really describe leadership as like a circle pointing to a square. Mm. And literally that's, if you can facilitate that arrow with somebody, then you're leading them. But that arrow is something that in this case, the circle would choose to do, right? They're choosing to go where you are and you have to facilitate that. And the the biggest misconception, especially for executives who, who maybe have risen up through the ranks is that what I did yesterday is going to help you today. And it's a lot like eating. If I ate yesterday, you didn't get full Bindi, right? I can't just like transfer what I did for someone else over to, you know, Larry in accounting. It doesn't really work that way, but we seem to think that, oh, if I did it a long time ago, you know, and, and maybe you'll get a little leadway doing that, but you really have to do this nonstop. And that's why when I talk to new leaders, I go, just so you guys know, parts of this job are really, you know, hard. And sometimes it sucks. And sometimes I don't like doing it, to be very honest, because you have to always do this with people. You have to always give yourself, always be, you know, looking out for their best interest. Cause as soon as you stop, they still have their same basic needs mm. and they'll just go find them satisfied somewhere else. And mm. then they won't really consider you a leader anymore. So you got to do it like every day. Mm. And that's another thing that you talk about is the, the wants and the needs uh, of people. And as long as those are being met, they'll, they'll keep coming to you and following you for that leadership. Um, and, and that's just coming back to, you know, taking care of them. Are they happy? Do they have what they need? Are they get, getting development? Are they actually meeting their performance requirements? Um, and how can you guide them to do that? And 
if we can just break it down simply, like, and this is another thing I want to ask you, I've got a million questions swirling around, is do you reckon that some people are just born leaders? Ooh, I'll say, yeah, I I will. Uh, But I think, hmm, some people are born leaders because they do things without thinking that make other people want to follow them. That's why I would answer because they're so engaged and invested in the well-being of other people that they will become a leader and never intend to be. So like a lot of times at work, you'll have somebody on a team who's who you'll consider to be a good leader, but they don't have a function that you would normally tie to one. And to be honest, they probably don't even consider themselves one Mm. just because it's not really on their radar, but they're doing all the things right. They're supporting the other people on their team so much because it's just in their DNA that people look up to them. So yeah, I would say you, you can be born with it, but I don't think there are any intrinsic qualities that are required to become one. So I don't think, I think anybody could become one. It's just sometimes your personality might predispose you to making it uh, more difficult. Like if you're very quiet and I know some people out there are very, uh, either they're shy or they, they don't like to speak up much or they don't like to have those conversations. It can be much harder for them to grow uh, into someone that people see as a leader uh, because they're really going to have to go out of their shell and it will probably make them uncomfortable at times. And so if you don't want to, go through those moments of, you know, stress on yourself to push yourself, then, then yeah, it could be harder for some folks than others. Mm. And exactly that. I have seen people who are trying to be that square peg in a round hole and they're trying to stretch and fit to be that person when it's not naturally in their nature. And it is so awful to watch. It really is. Um, It's really uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. And, you know, the the advice I would give to folks, you know, if you think you have a personality that doesn't fit like the, I mean, you mentioned a president and a prime minister who have very well, you know, established personas. And if you don't fit one of those, that's okay. Mm. And, and I would say, you know, if you're a square peg trying to go into a round one, I would say just, just make a square hole, you know, because there's ways to convey. So, so ultimately I think mm. The, the key step you need to, to do with someone is for them to realize they have to have the thought that you care about them. I think fundamentally that is step zero. You, you need to do that in order to have a connection with someone. And so you can do that in a ton of different ways. And if you're not, uh, if you don't have a personality like mine and you're, and you're quieter, you can still do that. It's just on your terms, right? Mm-hmm. Like it might be, um, especially once you get to know someone, it might be something very small that you could do that would still convey, and it, you might even not do it directly to them. It might be an action you take that reverberates back to them where they go, oh, the fact that they did that, it, I can't believe they they went out of their way to do that. You know, and We might not have even talked, but it's like, oh, that that really means something to me. So there's a lot of ways to do it. And I don't think, you know, folks who who go, oh, I don't have you know, normally you think of folks who are loud, sadly. You, you think mm. of folks who are going to grab, mm. you know, 
life by the beanbag and they're just going to, you know, we're going to get it done and you don't have to be that person. It's that's good sometimes for um, like a manager or a coach or something, but you don't have to be the coach to be a leader. So, you know, the, I guess if there was a spectrum, you know, you'd have a bunch of functions like coach, teacher, engineer, um, doctor, nurse on the left. And then on the right, you'd have like the leader role and it can fit into any of them. And all those people can have different personalities. So it's really what you make it, honestly. Mm. So it's really just making it your own space and making it fit you, uh, I think is probably the recommendation there. And, you know, for those who are developing leaders, what kind of tips would you give them if they're trying to to grow and be that leader that people want to follow? Yeah, first of all, um, I would throw away whatever textbook or whatever <laughs> leadership <laughs> development program you're in. I, I would say to you, if you if you've done anything at all in Microsoft Excel as part of your training, you've gone awry. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> and uh, and I started, and people did not like this. And I started one talk the other day where I just asked the group. I said. I, you don't need to raise your hands, but I'd really be curious to know, you know, answer in your own head. Are you a better leader today than when you started the program? And if not, why, why, and what are you doing here? And we, the person who had me come in and speak was not happy with me, mm. but it's the truth because, you know, as, especially as a new leader, you have no idea what's going on. Right. And I think most people would agree that it's very daunting, but the the thing I would say to someone who's new is don't confuse the job you want with the role you want, because most people who are going into leadership, they they're saying, I want to go into management. And those are fundamentally different. And so the, the first thing I like to tell people is, Hey, that's great. You want to become a manager. And it's probably one of the quickest ways to facilitate what you're trying to convey to other people on a team. But there's a there's the leading people is leading other humans and that's literally all leadership is. And so, you know, you could spend years and years, you know, going to school and learning, you know, what universities have told us is leadership or honestly, you could just really focus on people and be out of here in 20 minutes mm. and be on your way. Mm. So as a leader, um, you know, sometimes we feel like we've got to be bulletproof, like people can't see through our armour, you know, we've we've got to be right all the time. Uh, but there's a vulnerability that has to come with being a leader and there's an authenticity as well. Like you can fake it till you make it, but that can only get you so far, right? Oh, yeah, and people can tell when you're not you, mm. you know. And when you're, you know, when you're trying to be someone that you're not, <clears throat> it never goes well. And I think... That vulnerability piece is hard for anybody. Mm. You know, it's really scary to to open up, no matter what you're doing. But especially, uh, we'll we'll talk about someone who's in charge of a team. You know, if you have functional authority over people and you're in charge of their day to day work well being, you know, there is somewhat of a you know, separation is the wrong word, but you know, there's a professional boundary there. Right? Mm. They're they're not your friends. They're not. I mean, they can be your friends, but that's not your first priority with them. And so it it can be very hard to be vulnerable. But what I've noticed is that when I do, when I do uh, allow myself 
to have those moments where, you know, people can really see that, you know, like if I'm frustrated, mm. right. Or, or I'm going through something in my own life, you know, it's not that you want to bombard them with things, but you, I think it's important to share pieces of you that they can relate to because the connection is so important. And if you can't connect with someone, you definitely can't lead them because without connecting, it kind of skews um, when you're attempting to lead them is like, it feels off. Like, am I being used for something? Do they really care about me? And so when they see that you're just a, a regular person too, it, it goes a long way, but it is very hard for, for anyone, regardless of if you're, you know, trying to be a, a leader or, or anything on a team really. Mm. And this, and this comes back to trust as well, doesn't it? Like you have to feel trusted um, by your leader and also as a leader. Um, trust, I think, is a fundamental element in all of this complete relationship. And if you don't have that, it's impossible to lead someone effectively and to have them follow you. Oh, yeah. And the, the thing about trust is that I think as leaders, we don't really understand <clears throat> how important the environment is that we create for our teams and the safety that needs to be felt mm. in those situations. And, and if you're doing things, you might not even realize it where you're conveying to people that it's not okay to be your true self. It's not okay to express certain types of emotions is it's not okay to do X, Y, and Z. Well, then they themselves will put up an armor and go, well, I don't really feel comfortable in opening up to you. And then clearly you're probably not doing that to them. And so they're, that right there is probably the one of the biggest divisions in trust I'll see is that, you know, the 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 relationship between a leader and the rest of the team has been damaged by things that they don't really realize they're doing or saying, but they're really small and tiny. And and it might be like if someone brings to you a small problem, you know, in their real life and you you either don't acknowledge it or or you end up saying something that's kind of funky and not quite what you would hope someone would say back, but maybe you're stressed and you didn't even realize you said it. Maybe mm. you're under a lot of pressure and, and you, you're normally not a bad person, but it just came out kind of weird. Those really damage the space. So then when, when you go, okay, everybody, let's come in here and let's all, you know, be vulnerable and we're going to connect with each other. It's like, well, this isn't really an area where I'm okay doing that with you because you show me over and over again, that it's really not okay to do that. So as leaders, you really have to understand that you know, it's like being at a pond, whether I drop a rock in or I throw one in, regardless, everybody feels the wake mm. and, and whether you know you're doing it or not, it still impacts everyone. Mm. And I guess that comes to, you know, leading by example. Uh, you know, if you're a leader who's functioning in a particular way and then you expect people to do the absolute opposite, that makes it a little hard, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. And the, the, I mean, the disconnect there might be that person might not even, they might not even realize what they truly want out of their team because they're so focused on results. And usually that's, that's honestly what it boils down to a lot of times at, at work in organizations is you're so pressed <laughs> to, to make sure you meet your deliverables. We've got profits and losses and we've got to ensure we're you know doing all these things and the stresses that build up and so you might not even be self-aware enough to realize you know all the soft skill type things you want onto your team you're just pushing them results 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 mm. and that is honestly i think that is probably one of the hardest things for for new leaders going back to people who are new 
is when you get put into a position of functional authority and you're the boss, but you, but you understand, maybe let's say you're young, you understand the people aspect and you have high levels of empathy in your brain. You come up with this kind of grand Canyon divide. I either have to put my manager hat on and be the big boss for a minute, or I'm going to stay the leader and be people's friends. And that, that right there, that honestly, going back to the new leader thing, that's probably the hardest thing for folks to do is to navigate. Now I have two purposes on my team and I have to do them simultaneously all the time. I can't shelve being a leader and be a jerk for a minute and then, okay, I'm sorry, I'm going to be back to being a leader or, or I'm going to be a pushover because I want you to like me and I want you to keep following me and I'm not going to push the team to our deliverables and I, I'm not going to hold people accountable. So recognizing you have to do both is super hard, especially for new folks. Mm. And, you know, this leadership stuff, it's not easy. It's hard work. It is hard work and it takes some practice. You're not going to get it right the first time or the second time or every time, Um, you know, and this is where we learn from our mistakes. But I think we need to understand that this can be a really stressful environment as a leader. You know, you're dealing with people and their problems. You've got to make sure that you don't hold on to those and that you can help them move through them. But you've also got to look at performance, you've got to look at deadlines, you've got to look at workload, you've got to look at all of this kind of stuff. But if you focus too much on one area, you can actually lose that connection with your people. And that's where things can start to fall apart. Absolutely. And, you know, you really have to come back to when you're in those situations, those stressful moments, you have to kind of reset and go, well, why, why do people choose to follow me? Mm. And in my talk, you know, we mentioned it briefly, you know, I, I kind of boiled it down to you got basic needs and then the stuff you want to do. Right. And so you can't be successful and stay in level two unless your level one needs are being met. And so the, and I think a lot of people kind of inherently know this, they just don't realize that type of division. And so they'll go, well, gosh, I want these people to still consider me a leader. I want them to follow me, but I have to break bad news. How do I do that? How do I have a tough performance review with someone and still maintain being a leader? But what you need to remember is people follow you because they're in a better position to have those needs and wants met. They don't follow you because you'll meet them for them. And that's a key difference because if you go, well, I can't give this person a promotion. Now they're going to hate me. It's like, no, well, that's not really, that's not really accurate. They, it's how you convey it because you can still send the message that I care about you. I want you to advance in your career. We have areas to work on, you know, and this can still be something you can accomplish and they can leave that meeting and go, oh, okay, Joe still, you know, Joe cares enough. You know, I, I might disagree with him that, you know, I'm not ready for this promotion, but he's still conveying to me that I'm a priority. I'm a valued member of the team. And how you go about having those conversations, especially when you're stressed, really says a lot about you. And what I tell people is that, you know, you're really actually pretty versed in this, even if you don't think you are, because it's a lot like having those tough love conversations with family members, right? Mm. You don't walk into those, you don't bust in the door and go, listen up, idiot. Here's all the reasons you're wrong. No, you go, hey, you know, just so you know, I care about you and where this is coming from is a place of love, but I do have concerns about, you know, maybe your behavior or, you know, how you're interacting with others. And I want to have this talk, but I want you to remember that this is coming from a good place. And all of those nuances that you put into a conversation like that, 
those are the same ones you put into difficult conversations as a manager. Hey, I know this, I know this promotion is something you really want, but you're not quite ready yet. That doesn't mean you're not still a valued member. That doesn't mean I don't care about you on this team. And it doesn't mean you might still not get there. It's just right now at this moment, it's not the right time. And so it's like in those moments, how you have those conversations is really kind of what separates like the great leaders from like the average ones. Mm, yeah, it's it's putting that sugar on what we call a shit sandwich sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> now there's oh man, I could talk to you all day, Joe. Like the questions I I have, I reckon we could just chat all day. Um, but what do you, what would you say is the most important thing for a new leader to remember when they're under stress and they just want to make sure that they get things right? It's not about you. And it's never about you. And and it's hard to hear it like that. But, you know, your duty to your team as a manager and a leader has usually nothing to do with you. And it, so many times I heard a great saying once and it's, it's a little sidetracked, but it was um, it was the wait method in meetings. It was why am I talking? Mm. And it's so great. And I wish more managers lived by that. But it's not about us. It's not about our baggage. It's not about, you know, what we're going through. It's important to be vulnerable and, and to, you know, be open with your team. But ultimately your job is to support and facilitate other people. And so it's never, it's never about you. It's never about you. And it's so hard because all we think about every day is us, right? Like you go home, you think about you, guess who else is thinking about you? Not many people because they're thinking about <laughs> themselves, right? They think everybody just thinks about themselves all day. But when you're on a team, especially if you're trying to be a great leader, you're thinking about other people constantly. And that's kind of why leadership gets compared to parenting, right? And if you don't have a good definition of what leadership is, you, you'll read a lot of comparisons to parenting. And I think that comes from that unconditional wanting what's best for someone like as a as a good parent you no matter what want what's best for your kids and as a good leader no matter what you just want your team to succeed now, i'm not saying you should treat them like children but i think that's why sometimes you end up feeling this almost like maternal or paternal bond with your team because you really just care what's best and in a great leader like a parent will go sometimes you know it is time for you to leave the nest mm. maybe this team isn't you know, what's best for your career, you might be amazing at your job and we will take a severe hit in productivity and morale when you leave. But ultimately I'm looking out for you no matter what. And that right there, I think is why it gets compared to parenting. And, and I think ultimately it's something that new leaders, they start to feel. And I think it makes them uneasy. Like, Oh, I feel like I'm the parent of the team, but I'm only, especially if I'm new, I'm in my twenties. It's like, that's a normal thing to feel, to mm. be honest. Mm. And it's funny you say that because just yesterday I was saying to someone, we've got to treat people like kids. <laughs> we really do. Because <laughs> <laughs> some of the stupid things they do sometimes, seriously. Um, one of the other things I'm curious to talk to you about, Joe, is uh, recognition. Uh, because uh, sometimes we go a little too far with recognition. You know, like look at kids nowadays, they get recognised for everything just for showing up, you know. But there comes a fine line, I think, in terms of recognition. I mean, you can praise someone 
and you know we can come back to the the, the enforcement of behaviors just like you do for a dog they do something great you you praise them but there comes a point where there, there's a little bit too much of that how, how would you say is the best way to recognize someone without it being too much yeah ooh, that's a good one yeah 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 i, I think hmm well I, at least where i work I actually don't think that we're overdoing it on, on recognition. So I think maybe I would separate it from like, because I do think in the business world, sometimes most managers take too many things for granted, like too many performance things. Now I don't think that's to say like throw a party for everybody or they need, you know, monetary awards. But I think, I think maybe the the goal here is, or the key here is it's smaller and it's more frequent and it's, it's more natural. So, I mean, thank you goes a long way. And in recognizing someone, honestly, when I, this is a sad statement, I can't remember when the last time my boss thanked me for doing a good job, which either means I'm terrible at it or, <laughs> you know, they have room to grow, but <laughs> there's, there's something to be said about just getting a thank you. And especially, oh, I love a thank you in an email. Oh, I save it. I have a folder on my computer that says emails to save. Boom. I'll pop it right in there. And it's just little things like that. And I've had people tell me afterwards, Hey, you made my week just so you know, by, by doing that. And I went, ah, you just made mine because that feels good. And there is, there is this, the side, you know, being a leader in the community and trying to go overboard and recognizing people, which I think is more the question you were asking, especially, you know, maybe like youth sports and things like mm-hmm. that. And everybody gets recognized. I think, you know, for the folks who lead those organizations, I would just come back to, you know, what are you trying to What's the goal of having a, a, that league? Let's say it's a baseball league. What's the goal for all of those children? It, if it's for them to grow and feel good and secure about themselves, then I would ask, do you need to give everyone a trophy to instill that? Will that wash away quickly? Would you be better off coaching the coaches who go with those teams to have them better lead those, you know, their boys and girls that probably at this age and have them have those larger takeaways than just a piece of hardware. So I, I think maybe it has to start way higher up and you really got to identify, well, what the heck's the point? What are we doing here? And if, if a piece of plastic would honestly make it better then sure. But I, I doubt most of the time it would. Mm, yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, I, I have a habit of, it's just a habitual thing for me. I, I, I do thank people, you know, on, <laughs> whenever they do something and also let them know that I appreciate them and what they do. And just the other day, I um, like we, we'd had a really big week and uh, there was a, a new guy in the team and he was really stepping up and I just said, mate, you know what? If nobody's told you today, you've done an amazing job. And awesome. everybody around me heard that and they just turned around and they went, hmm, yeah, we agree. So it was like yep. that sharing praise in a public setting. It, it it's almost like it grows like a like a little virus. It's like, woo, you know, and that can change the whole tone, the whole energy um in a team, I reckon. Oh, absolutely. And I'm so happy you said that because that <clears throat> is like the epitome of an indirect action. So uh, what I've 
what I wrote in my book that'll be coming out soon is that there's two types of actions. You know, there's the direct things that, you know, I could do to you, Bindi, like I could say, you know, Hey, you're doing a great job. Right. Or I could, you know, I could give you a gift or I could do something else. And that's direct me to you. But what you said, when everyone else heard you say it, that turns into an indirect action for your whole team. And that right there is like the biggest mystery unsolved, you know, ancient ruins of leadership right now is indirect actions because the people who fall prey to this the most are the ones who are in charge of all of us, the executives, and they don't understand that your actions reverberate. So when you say thank you and people hear it, they go, you know what? I'm going to be a little bit more grateful today with other people. Or like a silly example, you hold the door open for someone two people away sees you do that, then they do that for someone else. It's like a chain reaction all throughout the system. And so when you really understand the true ripples of your actions and the way they indirectly impact people, A, it's scary because you realize, oh, it's always, always happening. But B, you can kind of, I don't want to say cheat the system, but you can have a huge impact on a team really quick because you go, Oh, if I just do the right things right, they will reverberate. People will recognize, even if they don't acknowledge it, it's still being felt. And another way is like, say you and I interact and you do something great for me. And then I get put in a better headspace or I'm feeling better about myself. And then I go talk to someone else. That's also an indirect action. And so as leaders, you got to always remember, you know, the pond is huge and the ripples go out very far. And, and you can make such an impact, especially as someone new. I know we keep coming back to new leaders. You can really have like a, a huge, uh, I'll use the word impact again, on the team you're a part of quickly by doing this. But you might feel like, oh, it's not really working. I'm only, I'm only changing the lives of like three people. It's like, oh, I bet if you took a poll, it's more than that if you're doing a great job at it. It might be 10 times that. Mm. And and on on the flip side too, Joe. That if if you know you have bad behaviours, they can also ripple as well. So you know, say you snap at someone um, in a public setting in front of others, that's gonna ripple as well. Oh yeah, people are gonna pick up that energy and they're gonna go, "What the hell is going on over here?" Oh yeah, you're always on. You're mm. always on. It's <clears> it's like um, it's like a coach. It's like if I saw you know Coach Demeyer, I would call him Coach. If he did something, it would still impact me, positive or negative. As leaders, you like you're never not on. You can never, you can never call time. You can never go like a timeout. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be a jerk or an idiot for a minute, and then I'm gonna call off time, and then I'm gonna go back to being myself. It's like no, sadly, it's really, it's really difficult because you never get to turn it off. And and I think sometimes, to be candid, uh being a manager, being a leader can be kind of lonely. Mm. It, it can be a lonely position because you don't, you're normally not around peers. You're normally around the people that you're leading and they can be your friends, but you know, like I said, there's that professional boundary. And so you have to, you can never fully, fully, fully um, let down the armor as we were going back to, because you are there to support them mm. and it's not really fair for them. <laughs> if you're going to, if you're going to, you know, say something that's really crappy to someone and snap and, and, oh, I didn't mean it. It's like, well, that's okay. You didn't mean it, but it still impacted everybody. Mm. And like, if you were with your friends, it wouldn't really matter. You could do that and 
and whatever. But when you're with the people that you lead, it it really makes a difference. And it can, like you said, it can have a very negative wake that extends far beyond that one interaction. Mm, and it, I guess it comes back to being conscious and being self-aware. Uh, and as a leader, you've you've got to be switched on. You've got to be conscious of your actions and behaviours and how they impact others and also what comes out of your mouth. Uh, you have to think before you engage. And, you know, one of the things, there's, there's two things I like to do to switch me into that space. And one is before you react, before you do anything, take a breath. Take a breath. Yeah. The other thing before I start my day off, I'm trying to get into that headspace, is it's, I think of it as almost like putting on a jersey, right? It's like putting on a jersey and it's like, I'm going to be my best self today. So it's a matter of, okay, what does my best self look like? And that's that's basically how I go about it. And it's like, that's all she's wearing today is her best self. Oh, yeah. And I think that's why, I mean, honestly, <clears throat> I wear a tie when I go to work. Mm. And having that thing choking me all day <laughs> is a pretty good reminder <laughs> that uh, that I am being looked at constantly for support and guidance and for direction and that you know, it's a silly thing, but when I'm in my quote unquote uniform for work, I really, it's hard to forget that you're in that really stuffy, you know, suit jacket. And so uh, I think recognizing that you're, you know, that you don't get to take a minute, you know, to just, you know, shout out whatever you want or, or do something like that. It's, it's important, but also, the, the to go back to what you said to recognize when you're having a day like that though mm. is really profound i mean if you can no one's no one expects anyone to be perfect every day and mm. i tell people you're going to have off days i have them all the time but the key is if you can be self-aware enough and conscious enough to identify it in yourself you can mitigate it from seeping into conversations or how you interact with others because the worst thing in the world is for someone to leave a, a interaction with you and go well i mean clearly i did something wrong because joe was just however he was towards me they obviously don't know everything else that's going on with you but if you can go ah something's off you can go a i'm going to I'm going to put on my cheery face and we're going to try to get through this or B, which I, I am guilty of this all the time. I'll just reschedule a meeting. Mm. You know, I'll just go, <clears throat> if I'm in such a bad space where I really think I would risk taking it out on someone and it's not often, but it does happen. I'll go, Hey, sorry, something popped up. I got to reschedule. Mm. And they don't know, but, but I know that ugh, I'm just not right. And I don't want to take it out on you. And that leads me to the the last big part of this beautiful puzzle piece, Joe, and that is self-leadership. You know, we can lead others, but leading ourselves is probably the most important part. It is. And it's it's so hard because you only answer to you. Mm. And it's it's pretty easy when you're at work because it's it's pretty defined what you have to do and you're held accountable by other people. But leading yourself, I mean it's cliched, but like if you cut a corner, nobody knows but you. If mm. you, you know, if you don't um, hold yourself accountable for how you acted during the day, you know, you can just kind of skate by, but you'll know deep down if you really want to look at yourself. And, and if you don't do that, the next time it won't change and you'll just keep repeating those habits. And so self-leadership is really just about having those really honest 
you know, cringeworthy looks at how you interacted with someone during the day and go, am I happy with that? Do I like what came out of that? Do I like the outcome? Would I be proud of, you know, if, well, first of all, would I be happy if someone did, did that to me? Would I be proud of, you know, that's how my kid acted to someone else? And, and that type of accountability is crucial. And I think, I think self-awareness might be one of the most important aspects for a leader because nobody's perfect, like we said, but if you're self-aware enough to work on it, that's really all you can ask for. Mm. And if I know someone is that way, or I can tell that they're working at this, I'll give them some slack. I'll go, Hey, I know you stepped in and I know you said something that was, you know, not quite right, but I, I can see you're trying. I can see that you're improving and, and that goes a long way in fostering those relationships. Mm. Uh, Joe, uh, I could, like I said, I could go on all day, but I, I think people need to get in touch with you. And if they want to do that, where can they go? Yeah. So I'm anti most social media, but you can reach me. <laughs> you could go old school and you can email me, Joe Riker Leadership at gmail.com. My name is probably in, you know, the the title of this podcast. So yep. I won't even spell it, but mm-hmm. you know, reach out and send me an email. And I'd love to chat about whatever you're going through because nothing makes me happier than than when I talk to somebody. It's like teaching. When you talk to somebody and then they go, Oh, now I get it. Now I get what's going on or I get why this happened or I get X, Y, and Z. And, and it just, it feels good. And I, there's nothing better as a leader than leaving an interaction and going, they're going to go do that for someone else. And then it just spreads. Mm. So yeah, you can, you can email me. That would be perfect. Mm. Now you've also got a podcast, am I right? I do. It's called More Wiser. And I interview Ted's, former TED speakers on their ideas. And so I'll you know, I'll pick someone's brain on why the dinosaurs go extinct or, Mm -hmm. you know, how do we stop big tobacco or, you know, how do you let go of an old relationship that you're still hanging on to? And so it's, you know, selfishly, I just like TED Talks. Mm. And so I thought, oh, I'd love to talk to those people. And so this is a way to do it. And so, yeah, it's called More Wiser. Thank you, Bindi. I appreciate that. I love that concept. I absolutely love it. Answering all the big questions. Yeah, or at least scratching them enough to mm. give you something to think about on the commute to work. Yeah. Now, you were also saying you've got a book uh, also. Yeah, it'll be coming out later this year. It's called Leader Relativity. Um, and if you watch my TED Talk, it's kind of the underlying theory. And honestly, it's just meant as like the basic primer. It's it's really what I wish someone would have given me because mm. there's so many amazing books out there uh, and there's so many great theories, but I kind of wanted – Oh, what would I tell somebody if I had five minutes? If you gave me five minutes, what would I tell that person before we set you loose? That was the whole premise of the book. And also I kind of talk about how scary it really is because, you know, we, we didn't go into a lot of it, but when you're first starting, it's terrifying because mm. you don't know what you're doing. And usually there's nobody to turn to because you're now the boss. And so that's kind of the the reference that I wrote it in. Mm, love it. Now i got the last big question for you, Joe. You ready? Yeah. You ready? Yeah. All right, here we go. What's the change you'd like to see in the world and how can we bring it to life? Ooh. I'm going to, I'm going to go back. I'm going to give a very specific one and I'm going to shout out to, to my friend, Karen Faith, who gave an amazing Ted talk. The change I would like to see is everyone to watch her talk. It's phenomenal Bindi. And if you haven't seen it, I would highly recommend it. It has to do with empathy 
and expressing welcome to other people. And I think in today's climate, I live in the United States, it's very polarizing what side of the aisle politically you're on and, and it bleeds into so much of the real world. And I think if we all just took a second and went, where are you really coming from? And why am I feeling how I am about you? Do I believe it? Is it true? Uh, and then you can do that for your own self too. So yeah, I would love everyone to watch her talk. Why not? I'll make it very, instead of, you know, world peace or something, you know, that high level, go watch Karen's talk. It's incredible. It's called how to talk to the worst parts of yourself. Ooh, love that. I'm going to go check that out. Uh, I did, I was just on LinkedIn before and I think I saw it on your profile. So, uh, I'm going to go watch that. Um, so yes, thank you for that recommendation. Joe, I have loved every single second of this. Thank you so much oh, for being you, a baby. part of the ethical evolution. Oh, thank you so much for having me and for, you know, allowing folks like me to come on and hopefully make the world just a touch more ethical and better. Thank you, Bindi. Thanks for listening to the Ethical Evolution Podcast. If you're ready to be the change and would love to work with me on finding your voice through spiritual coaching or creating your own podcast with impact, visit ethicalchangeagency.com. Hey, it's Tim from 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys, the comedy podcast you had no idea you needed. Join Ben, Jeff, and me as we continue our musical road trip back through the years and around the globe. See, just when you thought all white guys were like Joe Rogan, you come across three educators trying to remember when we were cool. 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Electric ass. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage, behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your hosts for the, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour. Electric acid.